down. You don't know it right now, but I'm watching you. Watching the things you do. I'm watching the way you treat people. The way you treat me and my mom and my sister. The way you live your life is having a big impact on me. When it's time for me to choose a career and provide for my family, your work ethic will be on my mind. The time you spend with me, even doing simple things, will give me a sense of security. There will be times in my life where I struggle with integrity, and I may be not sure what to do. But I will recall how you stood up for what was right, even if you could have looked the other way. And if the choices you are making, I will also make. Please don't be afraid to show me your failures, to show me your mistakes. I will learn from them. Dad, are you listening? I'm watching. Watching to see if you really believe what you say about God. I need you to help show me the way. Show me how to live life that isn't safe, but is good. So I'm watching you, Dad, every day. You're teaching me how to live, whether you know it or not. Well, I want to wish all you dads out there a very happy Father's Day on this day. I know, Patrick, that uh, you have been admiring this tie that I put on this morning. I don't ordinarily wear a tie, but I had a conversation with my mother, who is in rehab for a few days, and uh, she said, Kenny Darrell, would you wear your dad's, one of your dad's ties on Father's Day? And she caught me in a weak moment. <laughs> I said, sure, Mom. So, uh, so I'm wearing one of my dad's ties. It's got guitars on it because my dad was a, was a guitar player. I got ready to leave the house this morning, and uh, my wife looked at me and said, are you going to wear that this morning? <laughs> I said, honey, here, here's the deal. I'm either going to lie to my mother or embarrass my wife. So if she has a red face when you see her around this morning, well, you'll know. <laughs> ABCnews.com posted a story in, about the national phenomenon of blessing moms on Mother's Day and dissing us dads on Father's Day. Here's what the report said. 
Fathers sleep a lot, and they snore too loudly. When they're awake, they like to fish and golf, but they're comically bad at both. They are complete couch potatoes, always watching television and hogging the remote. This has become the less than favorable description of dad on the typical Father's Day card, in striking contrast to the poetic praise that we see on the Mother's Day cards. Well, we men are tired of the put-down cards, and we want some affirmation for a change. Right, men? Right. Well, you'll be glad you're here today because we're celebrating fathers at Crossroads today. And the fact is that in the last 25 years, the number of dads present at their children's births has grown from 27% to over 90%. And more than 75% of men now say that they would trade career advancement for more time with their families. Here at Crossroads, uh, about four years ago, we started what's called men's fraternity, and we started out with one group meeting at 6 a.m. on Thursday morning. Now we have 11 groups meeting at different times and different locations throughout the week, and we've got some great stories about elevated Christian manhood among the husbands and, and fathers of our church. Well, today we're closing this series of messages called Endangered Species. We're focusing on diligent dads, and we're, we're talking about diligent dads. We're talking about intentional, focused, committed dads. And I have uh, with me as a guest this morning up here our newest pastor, Patrick Garcia, and he and I are going to tag team this message. We've got a lot of things in common. We're both fathers, and we're also both sons of our fathers. Patrick already has a son, about a year and a half old, and he and Savannah are expecting a daughter next month. I, on the other hand, have, have three adult children who are all older than Patrick. <laughs> Patrick's father, Dr. Dan Garcia, is a very exemplary Christian man who lives in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, my father is alive today but in the presence of Jesus. So we have a lot in common, and yet we're a little different. You notice I've got some papers up here. Patrick has an iPad. <laughs> First time for it. Well, if you have your Bibles today, I want you to go ahead and turn uh, to the New Testament book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, today we're going to be camped out in chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians is towards the back of your Bibles, right in between Colossians and 2 Thessalonians. It's on page 836 in the Bibles right in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, that is our free gift to you. Uh, we just want to say thank you for being here. We want you to get familiar with God's Word. Again, we're going to be in chapter 2 today. Now, this is the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. Now, his intent was to remind these new believers of how he behaved when he was with them earlier in his ministry. In verses 7 through 9, he used the metaphor of a mother to describe and, and illustrate his gentleness, his love, and sacrificial service. And actually, we looked at this verse a few weeks ago on Mother's Day. We looked at that, and then we get to verses 10 through 12, and what the Apostle Paul does is he takes a turn and will tell us about his diligence as a spiritual father 
to these young believers. And here's what he says in verses 10 through 12 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, you are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that when we dealt, that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And in this passage, uh, the Apostle Paul employs three action words to describe a father who is diligent in directing his children to live lives worthy of God. And the first word, you caught it in the text, is the word encouraging. Now the Greek word in our text here is parakaleo, and it means to stand beside. It means to come to another's aid. And encouragement is a very positive and a very powerful influence. It's one that can cause you to dream big dreams. Encouragement can help you hang in there when you feel like quitting. Maybe some of you have seen the new Walt Disney movie, 42. It's the story of Jackie Robinson, the first African-American to play Major League Baseball. 42 was his number. And incidentally, it's the only number to be retired from all the major league teams. Well, breaking baseball's color barrier meant that he sometimes faced unfriendly crowds. And once, while he was playing in Brooklyn, he committed an error. And his own fans erupted with boos. And he stood on second base with his head down until shortstop Pee Wee Reese, who was a fan favorite, walked over, stood next to him, put his arm around Jackie Robinson, and smiled, and he faced the crowd, and the crowd became very quiet. And Robinson would later say that that arm around my shoulder saved my career. So Patrick, I want to ask you a personal question, okay? Have you ever experienced the arm of your father around your shoulder? That's a great question. Uh, you know, like how you have been with, with your kids, my dad's always been a huge encouragement to me. Now, one moment that sticks out in my mind, perhaps above others, is right when I decided to enter into full-time ministry. I was a freshman at a small college in central Kentucky at the time, and like most freshmen, I was rather directionless. I thought I maybe wanted to pursue business or go into law or politics or, or maybe even become a doctor like my father. Well, I quickly, I quickly learned that to be a doctor, you couldn't have two things that I had in my life. That was a fifth grade reading level and an ACT score that was lower than my age at the time. <laughs> but you know, I remember the night that I told God that I would... Um, surrender to his call and, and leading into vocational ministry, I was driving back to our campus on Interstate 64, and I was talking with a friend of mine on the phone. Now, God didn't speak to me that night in an audible voice, but I just had this moment of clarity where I saw that he had been preparing me for this uh, my entire life. I remember thinking to myself, why wouldn't I want to be a part of the greatest movement this earth has ever seen, the local church? 
Well, my dad was one of the first people that I happened to call that evening, and so I called and informed him of my decision, and that decision meant that I needed to go to Bible college that next semester in order to adequately prepare. Translation, I basically had wasted an entire semester's worth of tuition at the college where I was attending at the time. But you know, what my dad didn't say was, well, I wish you would have figured this out six months ago. He didn't say, well, you know, are you sure medical school isn't your thing? No, his immediate response was, you know, I've seen this in you for a really long time. Your mother and I, we couldn't be more proud of you. Now, you have to understand that this type of encouragement is very typical of my dad. And in my ignorance, I just assumed that every, every parent was this supportive of their child going into ministry. But what I quickly learned upon arriving at the Bible college campus where I attended was a lot of students were there in spite of the lack of support that they received from their parents. You see, children seek their father's affection and approval, perhaps above all. You see, it's a need that every one of us have, yet few of us receive. Now, I know what some of you dads may be thinking right now. You may be saying, well, that's great, Patrick. I probably agree with you, but you have to understand that my children, they receive a lot of encouragement from everyone around them, from their teachers to people here at Crossroads, to friends, to mentors. Now, you may be right, but you see, words of affirmation from you mean something completely different. Dads, the acceptance or neglect that you give your kids helps shape the perspective in which they view their Heavenly Father. I mean, they believe that the way you treat them is really the way that God operates. Now, for some of us, this is a very good thing because you are leading your family well and sacrificially loving your children, while others of us maybe need to be honest and perhaps make some adjustments. I love what Barbara Jackson once wrote. She said, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken adults. Mm -hmm. Now, some time ago, a greeting card company uh, decided to do something special for Mother's Day. They set up a table in a local federal prison inviting any inmate who wanted to send a free card to his mom on Mother's Day. Now, the lines were so long that they had to make another trip to the factory in order to accommodate every person who wanted to write a, mom, uh, to write a card to their mom on that day. Well, due to the success of this event, they decided to do the very same thing on Father's Day, only this time on Father's Day, the results were a little bit different. Not one person in the entire prison wrote a card to their father. Their fathers were either non-existent in their life or they despised them due to how they treated them growing up. And you see, the relationship between inmates and the lack of a father figure in their life is too obvious for us to overlook. You see, dads, your kids need you. Their future literally depends upon it. Now, I'm not sure it's possible to view your role as a father too highly. Well, we've said that encouragement comes first by your presence and then by your touch. Dads, you, you just will never know what your being there means to your children. Being a face in the audience, being a face in the stands when your children perform musically or when they speak publicly or when they get in the game and do well or when they receive an award. And dad, get comfortable with putting your arm around the shoulder of your children. There is just something encouraging about physical touch. 
So dads, in the words of the bumper sticker that we've all seen, have you hugged your kid today? Well, have you? You know, I can think of a couple other ways in which we can encourage our children that are really important. One is simply with uh, God's Word. I want you to pick up on the incredible encouragement that we see uh, penned throughout the words of Scripture and really can be a vital source of encouragement you dads can give your children. Check out Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Here's what it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but plans to give you a hope and a future. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, God is able to do far more than we could ever ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Proverbs 3, verse 6 says, In everything you do, put God first, and He will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Romans 8, verse 37, In all these things, trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword, Paul says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, I just wonder how much different would our children's lives look if we saturated them with Scripture on a consistent basis. Dads, get familiar with God's Word because it is a tremendous source of encouragement to them. There is no encouragement available to us that surpasses the encouragement that we find in the Word of God. The Scripture also says that fathers are to bring their children up in the instruction of the Lord. I take it that means that dad is to be the primary teacher by example as well as by precept. Ephesians 6.4, fathers, bring your children up in the instruction of the Lord. So there's God's Word, and then we don't want to forget, Patrick, about our words because good, good communication is the basis of any relationship. So dads, be diligent to communicate to your kids by telephone, in person, emails, notes. Don't leave anything unsaid that could encourage your kids. And even if you're the strong, silent type, find something for which you can praise your kids and watch their self-confidence grow. And listen, if you encourage them with your words, then they will encourage others with their words. Paul writes a word of commendation later in this same epistle, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, therefore encourage one another, and then he adds this, build each other up just as in fact you are doing. In the process of encouraging your children or people in general, you build them up, and that's positive. So use your words, Dad, to encourage and to build up your sons and daughters. The second action word that Paul uses to describe a diligent dad is the word comfort. Our role as dads is to, to be a source of comfort for our children. The New Testament word translated comforting could also uh, be translated as strengthening. In fact, the best way to comfort someone who is grieving is to strengthen them to face whatever it is that is causing them great pain. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 reveals this as a primary attribute of our Heavenly Father. Paul says this, he says, "'Praise be to the Father of compassion and to the God of all comfort, 
who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we may comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Now, I would say that most of us in a room of this size have been the recipients of God's comfort at some point in our life. Now, maybe for you, it was when your spouse passed away. It could have been when your parents went through um, that terrible divorce, or maybe it was during an occasion when you faced a lot of ridicule for your faith from a coworker. I mean, you can't really explain it when you look back on it, but a peace surrounded you during that season of your life. Mm. And you see, God's comfort equips us to strengthen those in trouble with the strength that we in turn have received from Him. From Him, and as dads, we give comfort because we have the broader perspective. I mean, we know that though. The pain may seem unbearable to our kids in the moment. There will come a time when it will cease and it will let up because God remains on the throne no matter what occurs in life. We can comfort with confidence and assure our children that it really will be okay. Now, sometimes our role as fathers is simply to be the chief comforter. As Ken said just a moment ago, I've got a year and a half year old named John Ryman now, he is an absolute blast, but occasionally he gets tired and irritable or he'll fall down and, and, and hurt himself. Now, you parents know that when your year-and-a-half-year-old starts to spiral out of control like this, they aren't the most pleasant person to be around. And what John Ryman does is he screams and he throws a temper tantrum and he'll cry and he'll swing his arms and he'll kick his legs. And if we're sitting at the table, he, he, he will throw food. And so as the chief comforter, do you know what I do in that moment? I give them to my wife and I go play golf. <laughs> now, not really. But you know, what I have learned uh, from my short run of being a father is that sometimes I give a level of comfort that only I can give. You see, in my son's world, there are just some things that are too scary and too intimidating for mom to handle. And so what he does is he comes running to me and with arms held high in the air, he says, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And I think God wired us that way so that when we're fearful or we're hurting, our natural response will be to go to our Heavenly Father who not only promises us His presence, but He promises to give us His comfort. The work of the Holy Spirit in us is to prompt us to relate to God as our Abba. That word Abba means Daddy. It's an mm -hmm. endearing kind of, of term. And that's the way God wants us to relate to Him, uh, seeing Him as a source of comfort, seeing Him as a source of strength, as a refuge. And I have to tell you, this is one of the things, Patrick, that I love about this season of my life, being a father of adult children, being a grandfather of grandchildren. They see me as a safe person, as a person who's accepting and caring who's a shelter, a refuge, a source of wisdom, someone who will always be in their balcony or on their side. In the life passage that I'm in right now, I, I sometimes feel a little bit like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and, uh, and I want my children and my grandchildren to click their heels together and say, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. I remember the greatest compliment that my wife has ever given me in all our years of marriage one day. She said, just in a very tender moment, she said, Ken, you are our rock. And what she meant was that I was uh, a source 
of uh, comfort, a source of security. Okay, Patrick. So when our kids are in the routine of life, they need encouraging. Mm -hmm. When life tumbles in on them, they need comforting. Well, there's one more action word in this passage that describes a diligent dad, and it's this one, urging. It uh, means to admonish. This word carries with it the idea of correction, discipline. Proverbs 13, 24 says, if you refuse, if you fail to discipline your children, it proves you don't love them. If you love your children, you will be prompt to discipline them. There it is. When we don't discipline our kids, it is more than just being derelict in our duty. It is actually unloving. But the fact is that discipline is also unpleasant, and Scripture is clear about that. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, it says that no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I think we need to differentiate between punishment and discipline. Punishment focuses uh, on the past and it inflicts a penalty. But discipline focuses on the future and it promotes growth. So what about it, Patrick? Tell us uh, if you've got a good story about your dad urging you to live a life worthy of God. Well, I've got a lot of them, but uh, how many of you remember when burning CDs off the internet was the thing to do just by a brief show of hands? Four of you. Good. That's better than last night. That's, that's, that's wonderful. I tell you what, thanks for the help. Uh, but uh, you could virtually download, let me just explain it for those of you that don't know, you could virtually download any song that you wanted to off the internet and put it all on one CD. Well, when I was in middle school, an upperclassman uh, came to me one day and compiled a list of music filled with just about every song that was on the radio of that day, except it was the unedited version, and it had about every, every four-letter word that you could think of compiled on this CD. And he sold it to anyone willing to buy it for about $8. Well, I, of course jumped on the opportunity. I bought it. I brought the CD home, and it wasn't too much longer until my parents went through my room, and they happened to come across this, this list of music that I had. And I got to tell you, to this day, one of the most embarrassing moments that I've ever had was when my dad made me sit down with him at the kitchen table and listen to one of those songs together. I mean, I didn't even know what some of the lyrics meant at the time, but I knew that they weren't good, and, and I, was so, I was so ashamed of myself. Well, after getting through about half of that song, my dad just pressed stop on the CD player and he said, you know, Patrick, what's on this CD is nothing but trash. Patrick, I love you too much for you to be consumed by it. And so he took that CD out and he broke it in two. And, and later that evening, I was told that I would be grounded for about two weeks. Now, at the time, I absolutely hated that. I mean, I feared not being cool because I didn't listen to the right music but, you know, I look back and I realize how much he as a father was protecting me. And as a dad, I've learned that when you decide to protect something, you have to prepare yourself to encounter some resistance. 
I mean, soldiers on a battlefield wear armor because they anticipate hostility, but they keep going because they know what they are fighting for is extremely valuable, and that is our freedom. And likewise, the call to fatherhood is a call to battle. And so how much more precious are our kids' integrity, character, and even salvation? I think I said before that in our home we we just had three spanking offenses, and those spanking offenses were willful disobedience, uh, disrespectful speech, and lying, and that the hardest spankings were for lying. Did I like giving spankings to my kids? No. No, I did not. I hated it. But it was a way of urging my children to live a life worthy of God in their formative years. And as parents, throughout their lives, we must not spare our children the consequences of their poor choices and their unacceptable behavior. That's how they learn. And there's a reason why the word discipline is the root word of disciple. And so if we decide to deal with our children in a way that honors God, as we've seen this morning, we will encourage them, we will comfort them and we will urge them to live lives worthy of the gospel. And you notice at the end of verse 12, Paul kind of concludes this verse by saying that our God, our Father, He calls us into His kingdom and His glory. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were here last weekend, you heard me share how my grandpa, my dad's dad, never influenced my father to become a follower of Christ. In fact, for a majority of my grandpa's life, he wanted nothing to do with the church. He wanted nothing to do with the Lord now, my dad um, would later become a Christian. His, his mom influenced him in some capacity. But he made a decision that he would change the legacy of our family for all of eternity by surrendering his life to Christ and choosing to raise us, his children, to know and love and serve the Lord. Now, my dad, he, what he could have done is stayed on the sidelines and conjured up just about every excuse to not become a Christian. I mean, after all, his dad never led him to that place before. But you see, instead, what my dad did is he took one look back at his past, and then he glanced towards his future, and he determined to give his family what he never had growing up. And you see, at some point, we must all take responsibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, we must determine that our past does not have to dictate our future. And so to be the parent that God calls us all to be, it starts with first understanding the love your heavenly Father has for you. I mean, after all, you can't give what you don't realize you have through Jesus Christ. And so today as a church, we, we make the invitation very simple. If you have never grasped the love that God has for you, if you have never accepted the free gift of grace that was only made possible through Jesus Christ, then we just invite you to make your way out of your rows, head down the aisles here, meet with a pastor up front. We'd love to walk alongside you in the midst of that decision and show you what your next step can be. Or maybe your decision today is that you want to make Crossroads your church home. You're tired of doing life all by yourself. You're tired of just attending here, but rather you want to belong here. Will you come forward and and we'll show you what your next step may be. And so whatever your decision is, you come forward. Let's all stand and let's sing.